Hi everybody, Dave Hodges here. I'm the host of the Common Sense Show. You know who I am and you know this show. You also should know that we're the show that's freeing America one enslaved mind at a time, but we need your help to increase our reach exponentially because time grows short and we got a lot of dragons to slay. So please, please share these broadcasts far and wide. And we have a terrific show for you today. We're going to talk about peak experiences, getting the most out of life. Rather than struggle from moment to moment, day to day, issue to issue, are you taking time for yourself to be the most you can be? And to talk to us about that is my old friend, Ronnie McMullen. Ronnie, happy holidays, my friend. Glad you could join us, and I'm really looking forward to unpacking this. Happy holidays to you, my friend. Thank and you. I'm very looking forward to this because, you know, uh, sometimes when I go on a show, people say, you inspired me to do X or you inspired me to do this. And to me, when you're inspiring people, that's what it's all about because they and them and all our politics and crazy clown shows and everything else, they're not inspiring at all. They're, they're depressing. And people are, are going, oh, man, it's just like, what are we even here for? What is our purpose? Isn't our purpose to enjoy life that we've been given and be grateful for it? But how do you be grateful when you got a clown show that you look on CNN every day, the liars of liars? You know, where do we go with this? And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to unload on people. I had an incredible weekend, so when we get rolling here, we'll get rolling. Well, peak experiences, they, they're what psychologists call flash bulb memories. You may be 50 years down the road from some experience, but it was so dramatic, it stays with you, and we yeah. call that a flash bulb memory. And that's really what you're talking about creating. And a little bird told me, Ronnie, you just had a flash bulb memory experience or a peak experience. You want to talk about that? I think a hundred flash bulbs went off. I'm not sure, <laughs> but um, as a lot of people know, I sponsor a race car. It's an off-road race car, and uh, the driver is no relation to me, but his name's Connor McMullen. So it's kind of funny that he carries my same last name, which is really it's really kind of a cool thing. So we've kind of become family, and this kid can drive. He, and when I say kid, he's 19. And he's driving against <clears throat> he's driving against people that are in their 40s and their 30s and their 50s. He's driving against uh, cars that have been in the industry for years. Um, he, he's just an amazing driver. So the owner of the car, which his name's Kevin, um, about three months ago, two months ago, three months ago, called me and said, "Hey, on this race, which is called Rage at the River in Laughlin, Nevada." He says, on this race, would you like to ride in the pre-runner, which the pre-runner is kind of the faster car. It has a V8, 550, 575 horsepower Corvette engine, and this thing this thing rolls. And it's a three-seater, so would you like to sit in the back? And and you know, he t and I said, well, what's it like? What's it like? Well, you know, it's probably the best seat in the house, and you know, you don't get a lot of roll, and blah, blah, blah. And he, so everybody's selling me this seat. And I'm thinking to myself, and I've already heard rumors about this car, they go through whoops, and for those that don't know what whoops are, they're four or five foot uh, hills, all put together. And so it's very destructive on a car or a motorcycle or even your body. <laughs> so they, they, then there's probably a half a mile, three quarters of a mile of this that you just go over these whoops, and you're not doing 20 miles an hour. You're doing anywhere from 70, 80 miles an hour to 100 miles an hour. So anyway, he's telling me all about this, and I'm like, okay, and fear, 
as we're talking, I didn't tell him this, but fear is like, <gasps> you could die. You could die. It's like my demons were saying, I- I'm going to die in this thing. And very rarely does anything majorly like that happen in off-road racing. It does happen, but it's, it is very rare. Probably more apt to get in an L.A. smash-up than you are in an off-road race. So my, my demons are going, oh, you're, you're going to die. You're going to die. And so I said, yep, I'm up for it. I want to go. And he's like, really? And I said, yeah. Well, he's good. Good. That's great. For all those weeks until the race, which was this last weekend, I've been mulling it over, and the demons are like, well, well, you better get your affairs in order because you're going to die. you know." And I'm like, shut up. Shut up. So by the time I got to the race, which was this last weekend, which uh, the race was on Saturday, I was like, I want to go. Even the fear had left me. And so I got in there. So right, I'm getting in the, getting ready to get in the car, and the guy that was supposed to be in the front seat next to Connor, the driver, got sick. Guess who goes in the front seat? <laughs> I mm. go in the front seat. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want to see this firsthand right off the front. There are no windows in the car. It's just a roll cage. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So anyway, long and the short of it, I get in the front seat, and this car is like, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, it's getting in your blood. And we pull off the start, and uh, and it's like five four three and you can hear him revving it up and i'm like i cannot tell you if you want a blood thinner this works <laughs> it really does it does a lot for your cardiovascular immediately and when he took off o m g i mean we took off it there talk about g forces i mean g forces threw you in the back of that seat and you're buckled in tighter than tight five point harness we go down the road, and, and you can't hardly look at the, the speedometer's kind of in the middle. It's like a GPS system. It's all high-tech. And you can't hardly see, but I'm looking over there, and I can see 83. <laughs> We're already doing 83 miles an hour. And then we hit what we call the moon craters, the whoops. And man, oh, man, it was like, bam, bam, hitting, you know. And I cannot tell you what it's like to see a 19-year-old I call him a kid. He's he's you know he's a grown man, but 19 years old. Drive this car. He was one-handing it in berms that were six foot tall. One-handing the steering wheel like this is no tomorrow for him. And then we go on the backside of the track, and the sun is just creeping up because we're leaving at like 6:50 in the morning, and the sun's coming up, and you can't see. You the sun is beating down in the car. There's no visors, so you just put your hand up to block the sun ray. And he's putting his hand up, one-handed driving the car, and he's doing 80 miles an hour into this sun black, can't see nothing. And meanwhile, cars, he's passing cars. And and I'm saying all of this to say, what was the end result? The end result is I overcame the fear. And somebody said to me, would you like to do it again? And I got a little bunged up, you know, because I'm out of shape in the areas that racers are in shape. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. But by the time the next day set in, I was like, I'm ready to go again. And so next, so I, I talked to the owner, and he's like, you know what? That front seat's yours anytime you want it. And I thought, holy cow, this is cool. And, and what I, where I thought I'd go with this today is how many of us are out there 
and, and I'm using a race car, but maybe it's a motorcycle, maybe it's a, something else in your life, you know, skydiving, something that, you know, something that you might call the bucket list. Even the fact maybe you want to take a vacation to Fuji, maybe you want to, something that you want to do, but something holds you back. I got to tell you, Ronnie, if I'd have been doing what you're doing, I'd have needed a bucket under me. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been my bucket list. I took my grandson's pamper with me. So. Oh, my God. I was going to say, I should have bought, if I'd known you do this, I'd have bought stock and pampers. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I, I'm one of those, I'm a conservative driver. Knock on wood, right? I haven't had a ticket since I was 18. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that would have been out there. But I like thrills. I mean, I like the rides that are thrills. I don't know about doing what you did. How fast did you get up to eventually? Uh, we hit one of the jumps, the railroad crossing jump, which you just kind of get airborne. There's quite a few airborne deals, but this one we hit it at 123 miles an hour. Airborne at 123. All four wheels off the ground, probably five, six foot off the ground. Well, they could have identified you by DNA and separated you from the driver. No, <laughs> Maybe. I'm not sure. There was one point, and, and I just highlights because I don't want to, those people are not into racing. I don't want to bore you. But for those that are going, wow, this is interesting. Um, there was these, they're so cute. There's these little Volkswagens. And I'm sure that the racers that are driving these cars are probably going to be mad at me. But there's these little Volkswagens. They don't go very fast. They go on the same course and they have no suspension and they're just they kill you. And there's these and I call them litter bugs because they go over a jump and they roll the car and there there they are. There's all these bugs on the track. <laughs> so you have to drive when you're driving. You know the pre runner, you have to drive accordingly because if you go over a jump and there's a bug at the bottom, you're going to smash him. And so it, it there was a lot to it, but we we went over one jump, got airborne and landed on the front left wheel and then landed on the other front wheel and then landed on the back wheel so um and you you know what it, it goes so fast there's no time to scream in fact i was teasing the driver that i was going to scream like a little girl the whole time you know and he had to check on me a couple times he goes you okay over there i go yeah you want to stop you want to get out i said you don't hold up for me Wah! you know it's like okay here we go so it was but the whole time the whole time you know i'm thinking to myself this is living, and I, I just want to express to the to the listeners that what is it in your life that you're doing that you're living your your, your experiences that are are you peaking your experiences are you because that's living and really this crosses over Dave this crosses over to health I can segue to health and when I say that I, I mean I can tell you I blood work was doing really well when I was racing because you're living. You're breathing, you're cardiovascular, everything is, it's all happening right now. And you, all of a sudden, you just kind of go, and I've heard this out of skydivers, where they go, yeah, you know what, I, I was scary as heck, but boy, when you hit the bottom ground, you're like, I just lived life. And I wonder how many, you know, and like, you know, some people, they don't take a vacation year after year. <clears throat> they go, oh, I can't afford it. But they'll go buy other crap during the year, but they won't go save up for a vacation. And they'll say, oh, I can't afford it. And What if you saved up all that crap that you bought, didn't buy it, saved up, and went to your favorite spot or a place that you want to go to and have a peak experience there? You know, maybe it's sitting on the beach somewhere. Maybe it's uh, hiking in, you know, some canyon somewhere, whatever it is. But I, I just, I tell you something, Dave, it jolted me. 
not just about racing like okay i'm gonna go be a racer in fact uh, people were asking me so you're gonna buy a car or you're gonna go and i said no no i i've got a front ticket that i can ride in but no but it did change my attitude it made me go you know what i want to live life and living life is not just your mundane everyday things that you're doing you know oh let's worry about this let's have fear for that and fear will kill you literally so changing your health when you are an overcomer when you have a peak experience you change your whole health in fact they're saying that when you get on certain wavelengths this is where healing happens immediately and Joe Dispenza, which is a doctor of chiropractic, but also a neurologist, uh, he's he's doing a lot of work with taking a brainwave, raising up the the brainwave, and people are healing. So the question I would have is: Is it possible for us to feel better and start a healing process by living life? And when I say living life, it, it doesn't have to be jumping in a race car at 120 miles an hour. But it could be something that, that a goal, something that, that we call on our bucket list, something that we want to do that we've we've denied ourselves. Oh no, better not do that. Better not. Why not? You know, and and maybe take your favorite grandson or your favorite daughter or, or favorite son and go do do something or or have a family party or something that you know you you really go wow that was a great time. You know, my youngest daughter just got married in November. Congratulations. Thank you. And she married a wonderful guy, and it's all good. But, you know, we had dancing, and I I don't think I danced. And, man, I don't even want to count the years. It's been a very long time. And But I like dancing, and I was reminded of that at the wedding. And the next thing you know, you're dancing, you're having a good time, and uh, and it wasn't there was it wasn't drinking. It was just dancing and, and having a good time and cake and, you know, the, the normal wedding stuff. And I thought, man, that I had to do that more often because, you know, cardiovascular is working when you're dancing. It is very much working. And some people, I mean, they've even uh, kind of put together Zumba, which is cardiovascular work with dancing. And there are classes all over the world now with Zumba classes that you go and you dance instead of going and running on a treadmill or something else. And the cardiovascular is over the top. And I just think to myself, you know, Shouldn't we be doing things in our life that's fun, that's enjoyable, that we enjoy, you know? And there's a lot of people that are overweight, and they don't enjoy their life because they're overweight. So why not do something fun like Zumba and take some of the weight off, and the next thing you know, you're feeling good about yourself. And then all of a sudden now, peak performance, peak things that you want to do you're like you know i i would like to do this in my life i'd like to go here i'd like to do that i just i think there's something to this dave what do you think i think you're right on the money with that i i i think uh, when we look at peak experiences um i'll tell you what comes to mind abraham maslow he's the guy that had the hierarchy of needs you know the triangle that you progress through on ascending stages yeah and at the highest level they call it self-actualization and that's being the most you can be. And peak experiences is one of the, I believe, 20 elements of being a self-actualized mm-hmm. person. So there's a lot of literature uh, in the field of psychology that says this is healthy for people to do, to stretch themselves, to give themselves pride of accomplishment, to meet, because what you did was you met a fear and conquered it. 
And, yes. And there's a yes. lot to be said for that. Oh, it's it's huge. I, I cannot tell you what it's done for my brain. I cannot even tell you. And then, I mean, we just raced on Saturday. And by the way, I got a huge gift. Guess what my gift was? What? First place is what we won. First place. Who got to take the trophy home? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it to Connor because he did all the... Yeah, it's work. awesome. But 40 different cars, 40 plus cars, we finished first place. That is awesome. And I and turned around because he has two two race cars, so he turned around and went in the ten car, which is a four cylinder motor. Does it's a, I think it's two hundred plus horsepower, so it's not anywhere near what the pre runner is at, at five hundred and seventy five horse. Um, turned faster times and turned around and won first place in his class over over that race. So this guy is definitely a contender. I mean, this guy can race. He mm-hmm. is what I call scary fast. But I thought to myself, what an honor it was to be able to ride in this car. What an honor to conquer my fear. And now they're like, you know, would you go again? Yeah, I would definitely go again. Um, I'm, in fact, you know, I'm already planning it for next year. But uh, it's like, I just feel like as I'm talking, there's people listening and they're pondering what I'm saying, not to go race in a car, but to go and do something that's maybe off the charts for you. Somebody else might say, oh, that's no big deal. Who gives a crap what they think? It's a big deal for you. And when you go and do those things, you break out of this shell that we're being put in by how we believe, how we think, you know, what we think we can accomplish, failures, I'm a loser. We break out of this shell into something that, and and when you break out of this shell, Go with this, Dave. When you break out of the shell, I think it changes your health immensely because you don't have this negativity on your life. You're not talking to people about negativity because negativity is really a way of we're starting to die. I mean, if you look at everybody running this this world, <laughs> here we go. Um, they're dying. They are. They're dying. They have no... All they want is money and greed and power, and this is what will kill us. Happiness and joy and fun and exhilaration, these are the things that are going to give you life. And and I'm really talking to the people out there. I, I hope there's, if I catch one today, one that's listening that says, man, this is making my blood move, then then, then we're doing the right thing. Because fear kills us. What if we do something that's opposite? What if we become a bit of our own thrill seeker? And when I say that, what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, not, you know, for me, this race car was an opportunity for me. Does it mean I'm going to go racing now? No, no, not at all. I've raced motorcycles. I've done all kinds of stuff. But it, it got me, you know... And again, I used to race motorcycles. And I ride sometimes, but I'm like, oh, I better not ride too fast. I better... And man, that's out the window now, because no fear. You know, when you you know, and you have to have a little bit to to be you know conservative and, and good and safe, but not overly. So I just hope there's somebody out there listening that says, you know, this guy's getting my blood going. I, I want to do something with my life. I want to quit dying. I want to live. And I think the body responds to the brain's power and what we think of. What do you think, Dave? Well, I think you're exactly right. And I think that you're talking about self-enhancing, um, I'm trying to think of the right word here, self-enhancing peak experiences 
that trigger neurochemical responses in the brain. Yes. I guarantee you, guarantee you, that you had endorphin high. Yep. Uh, we often call that runner's high. I guarantee you that your serotonin, uh, which gives you feelings of uh, power and so forth, that those increase greatly. And uh, th- that's interesting. Do you know what Dopamine. else brings about those responses, though? Hmm. It's interesting. Peak experiences like what you just had are parallel, although without quite the adrenaline rush, when you engage in random acts of kindness. You get a lot of the same chem- chemical mm. responses in the brain. And and people say, yeah, I really have excitement when I go and give to other people. Yes. Think, about, think about teachers. Why else would anyone do that profession? Well, yeah, there's no pay in it. There's no, but the reward for the kids is over the top. Sure, absolutely. But that's interesting that, that you know, acts of kindness because, um, you know, like we, we always try to do as much as we can do for Christmas for the people that, that don't have or for children that don't have or we either donate bicycles or, or clothes or, you know, something that we, we do. We had a couple kids we did something for this year. Um, and we're trying to get the bicycle thing going. I really got into that one. That, it's kind of fun. And it's probably because it's close to my motocross day. So it's like, oh, okay, I'll buy a girl bicycle and a boy bicycle. And and makes it kind of fun, you know. And But that's interesting that acts of kindness kind of give you the same high. That's, that's amazing because that's something that anyone can do. I mean, to jump in a race car and go 120 miles an hour, that's kind of over the top. But, yeah. to, yes. you know, but... But to do acts of kindness, that's not something that's that's obtainable by any one person. We can do that. Do you know that when um, the research shows this real clearly, when you engage in an act of kindness towards another person, a totally selfless act, not expecting any reciprocity, your serotonin levels get a bump. And so does the person who's the recipient of the act of kindness. Now, here's what's really cool, Ronnie. Wow. When people observe it, they experience something similar. That makes sense to me because, like, if you see a movie where there's some act of kindness being played on the movie, how what does it make you feel? Exactly. So you're, you're watching, and the observer is a huge thing in science. Really is. Mm-hmm. It's kind of mind blowing, you know. And I'm I'm not a scientist by any means, but oh my god, that you know, when you learn the observer part, it's really, really, really super interesting. But I'm just hoping that our conversation, Dave, today really riles people up to, you know, if they can't get in a car, they can't jump out of a plane, they can't do something kind of crazy, they can't go to Fiji, whatever, you surely can do an act of kindness. You surely can do an act. And goodness, you know, it's like I was talking to somebody about Christmas and they said, yeah, I love Christmas because you're doing stuff for other people and everything else. But the one thing I don't like about Christmas is it's only one time a year we should be doing that all year. I agree. I totally and if we were doing that yeah. all year, what would it be like in the political realm? Well, I've often said, if you want better leaders, we have to be better people. Yeah. And engaging in random acts of kindness would be a good first step in that direction. Well, think about it. Because I watch, I watch the clown politics and what they want to do is get everybody in the streets, you know, hopefully with guns, and get out of hand so they can go use their trick stuff to put us away. And, and you know, I can see, well, let me, maybe we can get martial law. Maybe we can do the fear, 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 crap, fear, fear, crap, fear. What if we were just like, no? Where I think a lot of these people get their jollies, like the Clintons, they get off on having power over defenseless people like children, elderly. I mean, that's how I view them. And this is where they get their rush, is exercising power over people. But it's an empty vessel 
because there's no reciprocity from the environment. You're just giving out, giving out, giving out, and you don't get anything back but fear, and that doesn't enhance a person. Well, you know, it's funny. I was watching the Gandhi movie, uh, kind of an older Gandhi movie, and um, it was really interesting to watch. They had one scene where these guys were trying, the British, you know, were coming up, and they would not have any violence back. And the Hindus wouldn't have any violence back, and so these, you know, people, military, the English, or the, yeah, the English military would beat them with sticks and take them down, and they would not fight back. And I'm thinking to myself, Dave, how much power do you really think you have when nobody fights back? Do you really have power, or is it just, is it just a facade? I, I think that uh, you bring up a really good point, and I, and I think actually, too, evil to reach its full potential has to be opposed and engaged in. And yes. this is why people have asked me, so Dave, what if Trump gets impeached? What if Clinton finds a way into the White House? What if all these bad things come to play that we know she's capable of? What do you do? And my answer is, you don't play her game. You shop at the non-corporate stores, like um, get the tea, and, <laughs> and, and you trade and barter as much as you can. You don't play the game on their level. You, it's a Gandhi approach. It's a Martin Luther King approach. You do not participate at the level they're trying to antagonize you to do. Now, there is a point, though, when you have to engage in self-defense. Is, you do. Is, I yeah. mean, if they're going to come and rape my wife or something, then yeah, absolutely, I'm yeah. going to engage. But um, I think they're too chicken. I, I think they're too chicken to engage. I mean, their power is very much like a facade. They And I think they are the ones that put themselves in that power, thinking they have that much kind of power. I think Christ said it best. You know, he said it to Pilate. He said, you have no power over me. And I think that's not just for Christ. I think that's for us to say, you know, Clintons, you have no power over me. And they probably are going to impeach Trump. It's looking like they're going to. And I, I hope not. I'm not saying that because I'm for it. I'm saying that because we maybe need to expect it. And and maybe I'll get we'll get really lucky because it's so corrupt. The corruption is at the highest level that I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, and, and it's interesting to see what our outcome is going to be. You know, does our outcome change depending on how we think? Does our outcome change um, because the bad guy is a bad guy? I don't think so. Yeah. I think how we think, and and like if we, if, if we were all to get together and say he will not be impeached, and we really thought that, with not like with wonderment, but thought you know absolutely with power, I kind of think he wouldn't be impeached. I don't think he will be in the Senate because I wrote an article on the CommonSenseShow.com about this. Uh, there are some Republicans whose votes are for sale because they have baggage and they have been um, they're being blackmailed <laughs> and Trump is aware of it listen I've got good sources on this and I've been calling for this for six weeks now and now it's coming out of the news Trump wants a trial in the Senate so he can expose both the corrupt Republicans as well as the corrupt Democrats you know the Democrats are about ready to learn the meaning of the saying when you live in a glass house don't throw stones yeah, 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 yeah. They're finding that well, out very quickly. I, I hope he does. Um, you know, I don't want him to be impeached. Um, I know he's no flower child. He's not, you know, he's not perfect in any way. But he's sure better than anything else out there. So I, I hope he's not impeached. Um, and I hope he does pull the corruption down and pull the veil off of this corruption. It, it'd be wonderful. Um, is it going to happen? I, I don't know. But I know 
if you go into what the astrological signs and, and really, and I'm not talking about what you read in the paper, that kind of crap, but I'm talking about in real astrology, there's a turning coming. And 2020 is a huge turn. And it's not a turn for negative. It's a turn for, for positive. So I'm hoping that um, something's going to take place in a positive manner and change the people. And I think it starts at the lower levels, Dave. I don't think it starts at the political level because they're all gone. They're, and when I say they're all gone, meaning their brains are gone. They're, they're toast. We need something to rise up and come from the bottom levels and be pure. It, it, you think there's such a thing, Dave? Yes, I do. I think you're talking about it. People that enjoy peak experiences among themselves and with each other um, have very gratifying lives. They People who are self-actualized, to go back to that again, have very rich interpersonal relationships. And if we engaged in that and, and we had mutual respect and kindness, to have people like the Clintons in charge of us would make no sense. They would lose all their power. And really, we have to change, I believe, from the bottom up. We have to, oh, who said this? We have to be the change that we want to see in other people. Yeah. And it's really, it's almost like a diffusing. Because they're, they're pointing, you know, putting us at, at point with each other to fight one another, to get in the streets and fight one another. The Democrats against the Republicans. Let's go to swings, and we're mm-hmm. and the polit the politicians are even going to swings. Here, let's go to swings so we can show how low we've really sink. And this goes back to: Is this what we want to do? Is this who we want to be like, or do we want to change our ways and start with good and, like you said, doing acts of kindness to one another? How, how can we be in the streets fighting if we're doing acts of kindness and that's what we're busy with? That's what our number one mode is. So I think I think they, it will literally diffuse their so-called facade-type power to where they have nothing. That's my hope anyway. Well, we're saying exactly the same thing, and I'm saying no time like the present because I think we're ready to jump off the ship into the hot, boiling water, and I fear what's coming. I really do. I mean, I think if the Democrats realize we can't get Trump out, we can't win the 2020 election, I've asked this question of people in politics. What will they not do? And the answer is, there is nothing they won't do. But if they go one further and try to remove him physically, and they can try that, mm-hmm. you know, but then we're definitely reverting back to some old days, the days of Kennedy or the days of Reagan and so on and so forth. And they they didn't get Reagan. They tried, but they didn't get Reagan. So could there, okay, here we go, Dave, now we're going into the twilight zone. Could there be angelic forces, uh, watchers, as you might call them, that would keep Trump safe from these kind of acts? Because he could be at the right place at the right time so that they cannot carry out their so-called act. And I just wonder if there are supernatural issues that, that are hidden that only come out when they need to come out. So is it possible that could take place to where he finishes his term and maybe even grabs another term? Because one thing about it, if they went after him that way and failed, in other words, there was some kind of spiritual intervention, then they would be, I mean, you would know it was them. You would know that they they tried to make that attempt on his life. 
I think that would be a huge issue to put them away and expose more of the corruption. What do you think? Well, I think you're right on the money, but I, I would also take a turn here at the end of me saying that away from the spiritual for a second. Let me tell you what people in Intel are telling me and have been telling me this for several months. They don't think there's going to be a Kennedy event. The public is not going to buy another lone nut assassin, you know, with a diary pre-stating the intentions, and they're not going to buy it again. So I'll tell you what they're talking about could happen to Trump. And then I'll talk about what you're mentioning here, and I think tie the two together. If, if uh, there's an attempt on Trump, the prevailing opinion with people I talk to inside the intel is it'll be a mass casualty event, and Trump will appear to have been wrong place, wrong time, and collateral damage. That's the way they could hide it. And that's a real popular opinion. I mean, among DHS, DEA, I mean, people I've talked to, they've all pretty much voiced this opinion. Now, I would say this. There are <coughs> excuse me, many broadcasts I've done where I have said the odds are against Donald Trump physically and uh, from a satanic uh, standpoint. I said, now, if you really want to do him a favor, collectively pray a veil of protection over him. And so back to the spiritual, I, I think what you're saying, that prayers can avail much. I really do. I think Trump was God's answer to give us time to get our act together. I think he slowed down the globalists enough to where we can self-examine and say, okay, let's make those changes we know we need to make. You know, it's said in the, in the scriptures, um, Christ said many times, believe on me. He didn't say believe in me. He said believe on me. And there's a difference. Believing in you, if I believe in you, Dave, I believe you're there. But if I believe on you, I believe in what you do, what you what you present yourself. So I think it's a point where we have to believe on the situation. In other words, not believe in Trump and, and pray just to have hit this covering, but to know. And there's a difference between just, just hope and knowing is knowing that it's going to be okay, no matter what takes place. Knowing it's going to be okay. Because I, you know, I'm off, I'm sure, Dave, but I'm not fearful of what's coming. From what I can tell in the spiritual realm, now not in the political realm, in the spiritual realm, there's good things coming. Now, will it get a little darker before that good comes? That could possibly be. But it's kind of like when you're working out, you go up there and you start working out and you go, oh, I just can't do this. This is crazy. Oh, I just can't do this. But if you can get through that darkness, then you start working out and you like feel good about yourself. So point being is there is a darkness that we have to get through. You know, the Clintons, obviously, they still want to play play ball. I don't know why. They're like 99 years old. You know, I don't, I don't understand that. But maybe they had a couple 12 heart transplant. No, it wouldn't be a heart transplant because they don't have a heart. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how the Clintons are going to play their cards. But, you know, I mean, I don't even know who's really, if something happens to, to, to uh, Trump, who's going who's gonna to run this stuff? You know, Pence? I mean. No, no. Pence I don't think so. Pence has been against Trump from the beginning, and let, let me explain. I, I, I've published this with proof. One month after the inauguration, Pence took out a pack for 2024, excuse me, 2020 to 2024. And I'm thinking, okay, he's just getting ready for the next uh, run. No, it was just him, not President Trump. 
mm-hmm. and he actually started raising money. I think he's been part of the let's get Trump out and we'll put you in. And I know for a fact that Mitt Romney, John Bolton, uh, and uh, uh, um, Paul Ryan have been canvassing Republican senators that were compromised, and they're trying to blackmail them to accept Pence and get Trump out on the impeachment conviction vote. That's too. That's really sad. But that just shows how correct. I've never liked Paul Ryan. He's a moron. Um, he's a globalist. Totally. Oh, he's he's yeah. Don't get me going on that one. I I, I don't want to be rude. <laughs> so, but he's yeah. Um, and, and you know the, the the men you mentioned. I mean, they're all. I go. Oh yeah, corrupt. Oh oh corrupt. Oh, oh corrupt. But you know, there's. I think there's a time, Dave, that when this world's over and we cross over. Uh, we're going to kind of have a little line to go to that says, okay, what you what you do in this last life, in this past life? Well, yep. What did you do? And you say, well, uh, I was corrupt. Okay. And I don't know what the, if there's a punishment. I don't, you know, some believe in punishment. Some believe that they just deleted. Some believe they go back and do it again. I really don't know what's on the other side, but I have this feeling it's a lot better than this side. I just get that feeling. So I think that, uh, you know, it's like, and I, <clears throat> I'll share this. This is hard to share. About a little over a month ago, I lost my dog. I had to put my dog to sleep. And he, his whole rear end was giving way, and he was, had to carry his back end, and it was like it was going numb. And he was a, a white boxer, a handsome boy, and... Um, and I, I, I knew that I was going to have to put him down if we couldn't get him better. And I tried everything I could, you know, shots and pills and mm-hmm. everything there was. I've never done that. And nothing was saving him. And I was like, and he was in pain. There would be days I'd wake up and he was shaking because he was in pain. And I just go, man. And I love this dog. This dog is my friend. And I was like, you know, I've got to put him down. So I told the doctor, the veterinarian. I said, you know, what do you think? And what would be best for him? Is there anything else that I've missed? No, I think it's time. I said, okay, so we made the appointment for the time. And it was like <laughs> that morning, so he had to get a like a catheter thing so that they could you know, put the drug in him. So he went away from me for a little bit. And he come back, and he was walking almost normal. And he was panting. <laughs> and he had this smile on his face which was really tough for me because I thought, oh my God, I'm going to put this dog down and he looks pretty good right now. But somebody told me a little later, I shared this story a couple times and they said, you know what, Ronnie, I can tell you what I think it was. The dog knew that the dog was going to the other side. They have a keen sense. They knew that this life was over and they were happy. And I thought, that was an interesting take. Now, whether it's true or not, I, I don't know. But I thought, because before that, I mean, days before that, he was in pain. He was hanging his head, you know. Uh, we raised cattle for a little while, years and years ago. And when a cow puts his head down, I mean, that's a bad sign. And his ears are down, you know, it's a bad sign. And um, that's what my dog looked like. And I was like, he's in pain. I, I can't do this anymore. But that morning, you know, he was happy. And I was like, shoot, am I doing the wrong thing? And I don't think I did the wrong thing, but, you know, I guess we'll never know until you're at the other side. But anyway, I think there is a, a, 
understanding of the other side. You know, and I've seen this with people. You know, where they're they're dying of cancer, and all of a sudden they're getting really close, and all of a sudden they get this light, light like life. It's for a version, and, and they come back and they, hi, how are you? And say their last things, and then they die. I wonder if there's something to that, but. Can you imagine being somebody that's only been in corruption, only been in negative, only been in hurting people, and necessarily maybe even killing people? That happens at the top of the politics list. And then be on the other side and have to own up to what you just did? What a thought process that is. I had a dream one time that um, Judgment Day was going on and that we get to experience the joy and the evil that we have spread through our lives. We get the joy and the pain and the misery all at the same time. We get to feel how we impacted other people. I don't know if that's true, and I don't think it's terribly biblical, but it had a profound experience on me because it gets you to be a little more introspective on how you impact people. Well, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's an interesting aspect. It sure makes you want to do more good than bad. Well, back to what you were just describing, though. You had a peak experience with your dog. We lost our dog about a month ago, too. Um, And we had her for 15 years. And she had a similar recovery. We were going to take her in the next morning. And um, she started barking a lot at night. I went out to see her, and she was pretty alert. And I'm going, I don't know if I can do this either. And so, you know, I pet her, and I stayed with her a little while. And then I went to bed, and I came out in the morning, and she was gone. I've always been thankful I didn't have to do it. Oh, yeah, that I begged for that. I begged God that, you know, take him out, you know, to where he dies peacefully in his sleep or something and mm-hmm. it didn't happen like that. So, I held him, you know, I th- I thought to myself, I I don't want to be around when he dies. I don't, but I love that dog enough to hold him during the time. And that was that was that was hell. Trust me, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. But I didn't want him to be alone. And, you know, and, and so I think everybody in their life at one point experiences being alone. And I thought, what a time to, to be alone is right before you're crossing over. And I thought, I, I didn't, I, I want to be there to hold him through it. Whatever that, you know, and I'm sure maybe that means nothing to him. I, I have no idea. But I thought, if it was me, I'd want somebody holding my hand or, or you know, touching my shoulder or whatever when I'm crossing over. I, I would want that. I wouldn't want to be doing it alone. So I, that's how I, I took it to him. But it, it was uh, one of the hardest things I, I ever had to do, and it was definitely a, a peak experience, but you know, not necessarily a good one. And I think that, and I think that's where I'm going on the show, really, is you know, the car was a peak experience on the positive side. And we need to have more peak experiences on the positive side than the negative side. And, and maybe it, it'll weigh off and, and somewhat erase some of the negative stuff that we've done. Because we're, I think this whole life is a learning se- sensation. We just, we're learning so much. You watch, you know, youth, you have pride, you're, you're kind of an ass. And, and the next thing you know, as you get older, you mellow out and you, you, you know, in fact, you start playing with your grandson or your granddaughter, and you're playing games that you know you would when you're five or six, and and it's almost like you grow up and then you come kind of come down again. There's something to that, and I, I just think that I just think that if there's somebody listening to this show, hopefully they got enough out of it to say, you know what, I want to, I want to have a peak experience. I I want to do something positive. 
I want to have an act of kindness, you know. I mean, you've given them different ways to get where they need to go. So I'm hoping somebody gets inspired by this show because that's what's important. Inspired means in spirit, so I agree with you. Well, Ronnie, talk about peak experiences. How's the business going? What's going on there with Get the Tea? The business is going good. Um, our new tea is just so wonderful, and um, people just—we're getting so many emails about what it does for people. It's—it's it's really one of the top digestive aids, and there's a lot of people. In fact, I, I was at the race, and somebody was saying, "Hey, you know what? My wife doesn't go to the bathroom for X amount of days. You know, what? You got anything?" And I said, "Yeah, my tea." Oh, oh do you ever? yeah do i ever so it's you know it's our tagline in fact it's on the car for doggone sake it's on the car the tea that makes you go it does and that goes both ways you know going to the bathroom but it's also about giving you energy um so that you can do your life and do the things that you want to do during the day but um i wanted to say this tea you know is a great great digestive aid huge digestive aid and when your digestion is clear and all the stuff is gone all the garbage it takes all the garbage out and leaves all the good stuff so if you take a vitamin c it will leave that vitamin c in you and it will take out everything that you shouldn't have been eating you know the gmos all the garbage but the other thing that's kind of interesting is and i want to make sure i let people know this is how strong this puppy is is if you are taking pharmaceuticals so if you're taking um uh, drugs or whatever pharmaceuticals from a doctor for for whatever ailment you might have you want to make sure that you don't take the tea at the same time because it will see the pharmaceutical as an intruder and it will <laughs> flush the the pharmaceutical out of your body um, so if you're having you know blood con- uh, blood control wh- whether that be um, high blood pressure low blood pressure whatever it will take that out so you want to drink the tea two hours before two hours after and that just kind of for me when I say that it gives you an idea how powerful the tea is and it doesn't hurt to drink it in fact you're thinking you're just drinking something really good but I want to say this this is what's really fun for this uh, time of the year we're having the special it's the best special of the year when you buy two months supply that comes eight bags and we should tell you how to brew it and make it when you buy two months of tea and you can mix them up go to the website get the tea.com we'll throw in another month for free so and then on top of that if you put Dave in the coupon code D-A-V-E put in the coupon code hit apply you're not only going to get one free month of tea when you buy two but you're also going to get free shipping so put dave in the coupon code and hit apply and get free shipping and you will love the tea you drink it every day um anywhere from eight to twelve ounces a day you can drink two eight ounce glasses a day but just adjust it the first two or three days if you've never done anything like this on a digestive aid you will be a little possibly loosey-goosey but after the three days you're home free and it's you'll just be like you'll be totally normal you'll be you'll be happy you'll feel better i've had people say they've had hair changes they've had uh eye changes they've had liver feeling changes they've had all kinds of stuff that have changed them their hair is better you know all this stuff everybody's different but they almost all of them say more energy and boy don't we need that today what does it do for people i was reading about this other the other day about type 2 diabetes is just um uh, really like a pandemic what does it do for that or can't you say 
Well, type 2 diabetes, um, almost, <laughs> I can't tell you how many people have type 2 diabetes. It's, it's going crazy. Um, I, I have that myself. Uh, I hate sharing that, but I, I do. But it's, um, I've beaten it down very well. And as far as the tea itself, life change tea, it won't really do too much for it. It kind of protects your liver. That's kind of a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but it really won't do too much. But we have what is called takedown tea, and that's a whole different animal. That is for type 2 diabetics, not for type 1. And it will do some incredible things, and you just need to try it. Um, but it also protects your liver. Um, it also protects your organs. Um, and, and the tea itself protects organs because it cleans out all the toxins that are attacking your organs. So um, Life Change Tea wouldn't necessarily help a, di- a type 2 diabetic, but Take Down Tea would. And then we also have Take Down Pills. They would do a great thing too um, for and, – and I want to just talk real quick. If we have, don't have time, just cut me off. But um, We got about uh, – one minute okay real quick emotions are a huge part of diabetes just tell you right now emotions and if you're wanting um in fact i've learned so much about diabetes but another thing is digestive so i guess in a way the tea would work but there's also digestive in the takedown tea as well so use your digestives and know that that's going to help you a lot when you're doing uh blood sugar issues Interesting. That's very, very interesting. Let's repeat that special again for people because um, we weren't planning to bring that out like we did. But it, I, my name gets you free shipping. Yes. And you're doing a, a what? A, a, I'm sorry, two for one, three for two? Buy two, get one free. Okay. And that works even on the takedown tee. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's in there too. So buy two, get one free. Okay. Um, and it it these things, you will not be sorry. It's It's really an awesome product. It really is. It's an incredible digestive aid. Well, you got to feel good to have peak experiences, Ronnie, and, and I appreciate you coming on. This is a very touching interview on a lot of levels, and I'm sure we're going to hear from people and their experiences, too. Um, I think you, you probably touched a lot of people today. And uh, here at the Common Sense Show, I want to thank you for coming on very timely, given the time of year and the holiday season that we'd have this kind of show. So thanks for joining us, Ronnie. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, and Merry Christmas to everyone. That's right. Merry Christmas, everybody.